This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa, the Chumash, and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine Fury, aka the Blazing Blurred. And I am coming at you from my hotel room in LA. It's my last night here. I My throat is sore from screaming over the last couple of days and talking a lot. Um, but I wanted to get this episode together for you before my travel day because I will not be able to get it done tomorrow for it to drop on Tuesday. So this is just going to be a brief intro uh, because I do take up the full hour uh, for the recording that you're about to hear, which is from the live panel discussion that we had here in Los Angeles on Friday at the East West Players Theater. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, the East West Players Theater Company is an Asian American theater organization in Los Angeles. It was founded in 1965, and it is the nation's first professional Asian American theater organization. They produce works and education programs that give voice to the Asian Pacific American experience. And I have gone to events at East West Players for years, um, and I didn't realize until Friday when I was sitting on those steps getting ready to do the panel discussion that I have only ever attended mixed Asian events <laughs> at East West Players Theater. Um, I'll get in a little bit more into that here in a minute, but to talk a little bit about what we did. I was joined on the stage by Rohan Jolie, the originator of the Blasian March in New York, Asian Soph uh, from Mixed Present and Mixed Made, and also one of the organizers of Blasian March LA, and Lee Painter Kim, the key organizer of Blasian March LA, um, along with uh, Stop Discrimination and a number of other organizations in which they participate in. Um, they're also a writer and a number of other things. So the four of us shared the space to talk about Black Asian solidarity and, of course, entering activism at wherever you are, which if you've been with me for a while, you've heard me talk about this a lot, that uh, a lot of people feel like they want to get involved, they want, but they don't feel like they can be a boots-on-the-ground activist. And so we were sharing how you enter wherever you can. There's a lot of invisible work that goes on in creating these actions and, and which you would be able to participate in if you could not be uh, out there on the streets activist. Um, I myself describe um, the way I do activism as elevation because I utilize my platforms to raise awareness versus being out there on the streets. Um, even though I was this weekend, kind of, I didn't participate in the March. I drove, but I, <laughs> I did participate at the rally. Um, and so we talk about accessing activism in any way that you can do it, because there's a lot of different things that are needed in those, um, organizations, um, that can be helpful. Um, so getting back to the East West players, they donated the space, they donated the sound equipment, and they donated two people uh, to to run sound for us while we were doing our event. And this is not cheap. 
I would not have been able to afford to do this on my own, but they were gracious enough to provide us space. They believed in what we were doing with Blasia March and Militantly Mixed, and um, and they allowed us to use that space. They had five different other re rehearsals going on in the building at the time, so we occupied the courtyard space, which was outside, which was ideal because we wanted to make sure people felt safe and comfortable during COVID, given that so many restrictions, such as mask mandates, have been reduced. So what you are going to hear is the sound of us being outside. There are sirens because we're really close to the LAPD main police um, station, uh, city hall, and um, the, the federal prison, things like that, are all within a walking distance from where we were. So you can hear them at times. Um, but we, we did have the recorder on the table, so you can hear us very well. If you were able to watch the live stream or if you've gone to the YouTube channel to watch the playback, the audio might not be as strong there because I, I really just had my computer set up on a table in front of us and it was picking up the amplification from the speakers that were there. So there's times when I don't think that that was very audible, but that's because um, every pre previous live panel discussion I've, I've done or live stream I've done for Militantly Mixed, I have been sitting in my home and our equipment is, you know, fine for home um, it is a goal that I will eventually have a proper live stream equipment uh, but for this one you're going to hear hear the panel better on this podcast than you will on the video though the video is still available on youtube.com slash militantly mixed because the east west players donated space and equipment and people I would like to try to give back give back the love that they gave us and raise some funds um, for them so what I'd like to actually do is between now and June 15th, any money that is raised, um, I would like to divide between East West players and the Blazer March. So if you go to paypal.me slash mix and drop some coins in that tip jar, you can even put in the note East West players or Blazer March. And I will put that aside until June 15th. And wherever I'm at, I will divide that in half and send it to both um, organizations. Um and uh, if you if you don't like PayPal, I also have a Venmo, which is my main hustle media Venmo. So you would go to at main hustle media on Venmo. And that is M-A-N-E-H-U-S-T-L-E-M-E-D-I-A. Uh, so same thing. You drop some coins in there and I will put that aside. And um, come June 15th, I will divide up whatever is available, give it to both organizations, and I will report to the show so that y'all know uh, what went to both organizations. Um, but I, I, it was actually a really emotional experience for me to have my event at East West Players because of what I've talked about in the past, how I've struggled to find acceptance in Asian spaces that over in the last couple, only during the last couple of years have I started to find acceptance in Asian spaces and I'm going through my own identity access, you know, trying to figure out my place in Asian-ness over the last couple of years. Um, every time I'm getting that acceptance in Asian spaces because I didn't get it um, throughout most of my life, um, it's it's pretty emotional every time. It happens, and as y'all know, I've I've won two Asian American Podcasters Awards over the last couple of years. Uh, I've been tapped to discuss Asian issues and and mixed Asian issues on various platforms, 
And so finding myself actually being accepted as an Asian, mixed Asian, um, and even being able to be an authority on certain aspects of mixed Asian-ness in, in different places has, um, you know, it's really helped my journey towards processing my, my Asian identity, um, given that I've had so little access to it most of my life. Well, correct and incorrect. I've had a lot of access to being a mixed Japanese person with my family. I don't have a lot of access to being an Asian person in America, um, in Asian spaces or shared Asian spaces. Um, because for me, I've always been accepted in blackness and that's where I grew up predominantly and that's where I'm the most comfortable. So my, my black identity is very strong. My Asian identity is getting there. Um, so it, it like, again, it was very emotional to be able to occupy a space that I respect a lot as, as an Asian. Um, I have been there, like I said, for multiple mixed Asian events and being that this is the very first live panel discussion in front of an audience that Militantly Mix was able to do shout out to the coronavirus, um, preventing us from getting out there, um, I can always say that the very first time I got to do this for the show, I got to do it in a highly respected Asian American theater space. And I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And it means a lot to me. And I got emotional. <sighs> I have done live tapings of Militantly Mixed um, in front of an audience before, but it was just myself and a guest. And this taste is the first panel discussion in front of people. And so... Um, yeah, it just has a different meaning for me. And I'm, I'm so grateful and excited uh, about being able to share this with y'all. On Saturday, we did the Blasia March and the Trans Power Rally at Prushing Square. Uh, there were a number of speakers, amazing speakers and performers that, that were at the rally. Um, unfortunately, while I, I was live streaming it the whole day, so was Asian Soap on the Mixed Present page, and so was the Blasia March, and I believe um, Life Affirming Nectar page also, we were all live streaming it, but our videos kept getting kicked because of copyright infringement due to the music that was playing um, in between speakers or in the background. So unfortunately, there's no video left anymore, so if you didn't catch it while we were live streaming on Saturday, um, all that stuff is gone. I, I can't believe they didn't even let us save it. We could have edited it out or they could have made the music silent or something, but they just kicked it and didn't allow us to save it. So, um, all I can really do is say, go to the Blasian March, uh, website or, or Instagram and, uh, militantly mix Instagram. You'll see some photos of us when we were out there. Um, the food was provided by Voodoo Vegan, a black woman-owned uh, food truck, which was, the food was very delicious, amazing. Um, I had the Louisiana shrimp and, and fries, which you could not really tell that the texture was not actual shrimp. It was dope. Um, and uh, and there's a ton of people that I could name, but I don't have a list in front of me, and I'm tired, and it's been a long weekend, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, to please check out the Blasia March Instagram channel or page. Please check out Mixed Present, Mixed underscore Present for the work that Asian Soap does. Um, check out Stop Discrimination uh, to see some of the work that Lee does along with others and, um, life affirming nectar to check out Soleil. So, um, I didn't get a chance to do this last week cause I think it dropped after the episode dropped, but, um, I was mentioned 
in a uh, article or I'm like the opening story in an article about the uh reflecting back on the 30 year anniversary of the LA uprisings or what is um I guess commonly known as LA riots uh, I refer to them as the uprising I prefer to refer to them as the uprisings um and where I was 14 years old and I had experiences during the uprisings that were taking place in Long Beach where I lived at the time uh so uh, Soleil, uh, their go by is Soleil, but their, their real name is Sheng Xiao Yu. They wrote an, an article for Mochi Magazine called Injustice by Design, Solidarity by Choice, in which, like I said, we were reflecting on the LA uprisings. Um, my story is shared along with uh, a little bit of others. There's also a breakdown of the timeline of what led to everything happening. There's acknowledgement of the murder of uh, Latasha Harlins and um, the like even the fact that there was a lot of black Korean solidarity and yet the media was actively hiding that uh, to make it look like there was more um, animosity between the black and Korean communities and while there was some it looked like it was bigger than it was and and so uh, Soleil touches on that uh, in the article so I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as, as well as to pleasure march and some of the other accounts that i would like y'all to be following if you if you support the work and um yeah i think that's that's pretty much all i have uh please consider supporting militantly mixed because now that we're getting out there more and we're getting opportunities to speak in different places um it's really important to try to elevate the game right now so it is my goal to hit $500 a month in Patreon sponsorship by our fourth anniversary, which is July 5th. The July 5th actually falls on Tuesday. So our our anniversary episode is going to fall on our anniversary date. And I would love to be able to announce at that time that we've achieved at least $500, if not more, a month in Patreon sponsorship. As of where we're sitting right now, we're at about $308 a month. And it is May 22nd. I think we can hit it. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed and sponsor the show as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. This is a monthly sponsorship. You can also do an annual sponsorship, which um, I think there's a 12% discount if you uh, do an annual pay up front sponsorship of the show. Uh, but we the goal is to hit $500 a month by July 5th. And your support will really help get us to the next space. And what that next space is for me is to be able to finally start bringing the show uh, to the various cities in which we get the most downloads from so that you can actually come out in person and see Militantly Mix in action. The first one that we're going to do besides what we just did here in L.A. is in Atlanta. And so I am trying to, I think we have a location. We're just working on, you know, some funding stuff and um, arrangements so that we can start to sell tickets for the event. So if you are in the Atlanta area and you would be interested in attending Militantly Mixed Live, um, this will be taking place on September 1st if we are able to pull it off. And I can keep you on a mailing list specifically for Atlanta if you send me an email at Charmaine at MilitantlyMix.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at MilitantlyMix.com. It is my goal to be able to every couple months do another one of these in a different city. And as of right now, my top six downloaded cities was Los Angeles, which we've just checked off. 
Seattle, Chicago, Toronto, New York, and Atlanta. Um, I just so happen to be going to Atlanta in September anyway, so that's why Atlanta is the first place um, after LA to get an, an event. I am going to be in New York in October, but I don't know that I'll have time to pull one off, so I might not. I might have to do New York another time. Um, but I would like to get back to Toronto. I would like to get to Chicago for the first time. I would like to get back to Seattle. And those would be how I start. If we are able to start pulling this off over the course of the next year, then it is my goal to to also take it international. I mean, besides Toronto, which I know is Canada, but it's on this side of the of the globe. Um, London would be the next place that, that I would probably go because that's the next highest downloaded city. Um, after the six that I've already named, um, coming up close to that is Columbus, Ohio and Minneapolis. So, um, these are all possibility if we can, if we can start, uh, hitting those higher numbers on Patreon sponsorship, or I start getting sponsorship from outside. Either way, um, it is a goal to be able to start, uh, seeing some of y'all in person if I can get out to your cities. So I think that is it. Uh, so without further ado, please, I guess, join me in solidarity in sharing space with my amazing panelists, Rohan Jolie, Asian Soph, and Lee Painter Kim in our panel discussion about Black Asian solidarity and accessing activism wherever you're at. Thank you. on parallel experiences with racial racism and um, to mutual celebration of all of our communities. Yes. 
Um, other than that, I'm a writer, I'm a dancer. Um, my article dropped this morning yeah. on Newsweek, so that was a moment. I was like, and I, oh, hi. But yeah, that's, that's me and Asha. So excited. And then next to Rohan, we have another person you're familiar with, Asian Soap. Hey! <laughs> Um, I always hate following Rohan because they're so impressive. No. Um, <laughs> um, my name is Asian Soap, and that is my government name. Yes. Uh, pronouns she, her, hers. Uh, I am, I run the pages Mixed Present, Mixed Made, and of course my personal page, Asian underscore Soap, and I am an activist. I am... I don't, how else would you describe me? Just that. Superhero. <laughs> multiracial <laughs> Wonder things. Woman. What's that? that? What? Multiracial Wonder Woman. That's yes, great. that. Um, I say so humbly. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and we are part of what we call the Mixed Asian Quartet. We are missing Mona We're Lisa. We're missing one of our cousins. Yes, right. Mona Lisa, shout out if you're mm -hmm. here. We will be with you in New York in the future. Just to be clear, I'm not a part of the Mixed Asian Quartet. You, you are a part this A part of, perhaps, a quintet. We can do a quintet. We can do a whole army if we, we really could. To. Eventually, yeah. a whole ass orchestra. <laughs> That's a better word than army. You're right. And then, <laughs> I'm theme, you know? <laughs> and then our latest addition to the mixed Asian quartet. Quintet. 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 Mm. Is <laughs> Love it. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Hi. My name is Lee Taylor yes. Kim. My pronouns are they, them, them. Uh, I'm so honored to be on this panel with y'all. We've talked individually about like what it means to be mixed, uh, mixed race Asian, and like the many very strange things that come with that, and navigating that, and how that gives us power. And so I'm very happy to be here with y'all. Um, a little bit about me: um, I am an art, arts and cultural worker. Um, a lot of what I do, a lot of the activism that I do is around um, bringing more attention to marginalized communities and art workers specifically within the art world but also uh, yeah also I do a lot of organizing with uh, the Korean diaspora nonprofit Gyopol and also I'm a core member of oh my, my mic it might be dipping yeah, yeah I keep on dipping every now and then that's okay I'll just power through it uh, <laughs> I'm also a core member of the arts uh, activist organization or grassroots org, uh, Stop Discrimination. Not the best name, but you know, we're rolling. Uh, I like it. I, I like that. Uh, what? But it's, to be fair, I put main in everything. So like my Xbox gamer tag is magnificent. Fabulous. <laughs> Mermaid. Fabulous. Let me, let me, wrap up, let me wrap up myself then really quick. <laughs> Just a sec. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I'm also a writer. I publish with Rutledge uh, I and also Taylor and Francis Women's Journal. Yes. Woo! And Geo Press! Woo! Yes. Uh, now I'm just going to start projecting because I think my mic cut out. Okay. Oh, did mine? No, there. I think it's kind of different too. I do also want to add Lee uh, is an excellent organizer, like yes. super organized. Oh my gosh. Right. Yes. Always keeping us on task in the meeting. Oh like, yeah. So good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been building out the Los Angeles contingent of Blasian March and it's been such a fantastic honor to really bring I, like try to make this into like a bicoastal uh, movement. Yeah. And even imagining like the futures that could embody this as like a movement. This idea, this 
movement that Rohan has started. Ah. Oh. Yes. Ah. Hey. Is that is that the phrase we're going to? I mean, oh. you you took a moment and you catalyzed. <laughs> true. Yeah. And it's a it's a, ca a catalyst that's like true to you. Very specific, true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't know we wouldn't be here today if not for what you created. That's that's why we know each other. That's why we came here. Mm -hmm. And I met you through Maze. So. Yeah all of those pieces came together. So we are here to talk uh, pretty much about the idea of Black, Asian, and Blasian solidarity in activism from different perspectives. We have two organizers on the, the panel, and then we have an activator, and I describe myself as an elevator. So why don't we start first with Rohan. Why don't you talk a little bit about what made you start, what moved you to start the Blasian March, and then how it persisted after the one event that you oh. thought you were going to do. <laughs> the one event. Um, <clears throat> wow. So it all started in 2020 um, after the murder of George Floyd. And I guess in New York, there was just that, that grand explosion of just like movement work. There was daily protests everywhere. Um, and you know, somehow I, I found myself organizing in a lot of like AAPI circles, trying to figure out how do we, you know, make this more of an Asians for Black Lives kind of moment. Um, but uh, a certain leadership and I just do not agree on many things. <laughs> love to share. I love. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, but that, that's okay. Um, and that's definitely one one piece of the puzzle. Um, for me, I think that was more of the acute reasoning behind why I started the Blasian March, because for me, I was like, I'm gonna do solidarity my way, mm -hmm. the way that I think makes the most sense. Um, that's one part. I think looking back more and more, I, I think um, I have to give a shout out to all of the queer uh, Asian and Filipinx uh, femmes in Chicago that I used to organize with because I was just so in admiration of their constant like transnational solidarity or um, solidarity to other communities. Like if there was like a BLM action, the Filipino contingent, like we were there without question. Mm -hmm. Or if there was like an action for Puerto Rico, like, you know, Filipinos, we showed up without question. It wasn't like a, well, we can't be there because I don't benefit from it. Like mm -hmm. I cannot be at this action because I don't see how I can imagine myself in the story. So I give them the love and shout outs and the flowers. Um, I also have to give a shout out to a lot of the black trans leadership in New York. Um, so during the 2020, a lot of these actions were very much like centering black straight men, essentially, or mm -hmm. black straight people. To the point in which a lot of black trans folks were like, we're just gonna do our own action. So that way we're bringing our own explicit hypervisibility into spaces. Um, so those are kind of like, I guess the things I'm pulling from that were like, oh, you know, if there's, you know, a, a, a march for black women, there's a march for, you know, black trans folks, there's a march for the disabled black people, well then let's make a march for black Asians. Yes! Um, yes. We yeah. love that. 
Everyone was so ready for it, though, <laughs> weren't they? <laughs> you know, um, I think a lot of the folks in the Asian community were really ready for it because it was trying to figure out where do we like, where do we make our part visible or known in that time period around the death of George Floyd? Because like, I can't say how many rallies I would go to and I would see so many Asian organizers like in the background doing all like this logistical support. Because, you know, I think lots of folks recognized, oh, it's time to let, you know, this is a moment for the black community to get uplifted. Mm. Um, and I guess for the Blazer March, it was finally a space where it's like, you can be in the background, but also at the front at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Like we are <laughs> allowed to share space. <laughs> well, so many of us that are Blazing also sit in between the categories of the people that we're watching being murdered on both sides of our right. of our ethnicities and our cultures. And so we're seeing ourselves as like, which movement do I participate in right. versus maybe there's something for us. And I think that's what you gave us. You gave us something that we could be included in, but also some of our stories could be centered in because that was existing very heavily at the time. I mean, we were going from one day a black person being murdered to one day a, a Asian elder being harassed or, or hurt because right. of COVID. And how this was hitting the mainstream too, though, and how mm -hmm. you were using those platforms to bring awareness to trans rights as well with the first Blazing March Trans Power Rally in New York, which is now being continued in LA. It's really Woo! a beautiful movement that so many people can get behind yeah. because it's A, intersectional, B, mixed, very fluid. Yeah. You know, there's a certain logic that reflects a 21st century. You know what I mean? <laughs> is this the beginnings of our mixed race theory books? <laughs> I love it. So good. So um, moving from, I, I mean, that's even how I discovered you as I was um, from Mona Lisa, our other quartet member. Um, she mentioned that there was a Blasian group and at, told me to join it. I joined it. I saw your post that you were about to do it. I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to be in New York anytime soon, but I would like to talk to this person. So I reached out and got you on my show and we've been family ever since we pretty have, much truly. immediately. Um, so beautiful. And then from there, like the amount of times we talked, I was like, you know, there's someone else I want you to meet, and that's how. I, that's how I'm I feel like you introduced me to everybody. <laughs> I, I feel like you're like, no, like this person has to. Meet. I love like, it. Like I, I, like I've always described myself as not a boots on the ground activist. Mm -hmm. I want to participate in those spaces, but I struggle for my own reasons, my own health reasons, my own physical limitations, yeah. and things like that. Uh, but I want to elevate and I want to support as much as possible. And then watching you over the last few years, I'm just like, damn, she's really out there. Even like, no matter what, you were out there. Whether it was COVID, whether it was some, you know, something else, you were still out there. And I, I know that there's more people you should be connected to because of what you do. When I got a chance to meet Rohan, it was the same type of thing. It was like this person has something I don't have but need in my life. So I just need to absorb them. I just need to keep them and then close. in doing that, you know, <laughs> these are terrible choices of words. 
Uh, you know, I, 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 I do consent. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my phrasing is just. Ah, oh, but what you're describing is also community, no? Yes, it's all community. <laughs> that's exactly that's the whole that's point of militant like, mix. That's the whole point of what we're doing here. And then when I found out that there was going to be, you just happened to casually mention in May there's going to be an action. <laughs> we didn't have a plan yet. It was just going to happen. And I was like, all right, tell me the weekend so I can book it down. And from there, now I have. Lee in my life, and I've also gotten to meet uh, Soleil as well. So, like, there's you guys are giving me people that I can absorb. (laughs) Spread the network, right? Right. Oh, by the way, for folks, uh, please, please, please read Soleil's article on Moti Mag and Justice by Design, Solidarity by Choice. It's a great just analysis of the LA uprising. knowing how a lot of it is rooted in U.S. imperialism, U.S. militarism. Um, I love you. Yeah. Life-affirming nectar on Instagram. Yes. yes. Will, after all this is over, I will link all of these things that we bring up in the notes underneath the YouTube and also on the podcast when we play it so you can get a chance to connect to all the things that we're dropping today. <laughs> so I wanted to get into a little bit about the different aspects of or, um, activism because we do all approach it from different and um, one of the things that happens that I hear the most on my show when we talk about activism is like, what can I do because I can't X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is, whatever limitation that person has or believes they have, um, they don't think that they can be an activist because they can't maybe, like I said, I'm not a boots on the ground person, so how do I engage? I use my platforms to elevate those actions that are happening, right? Um, so we, we come from all different things. And I would describe you, I used to describe you as an activist all the time, and then you would correct me and say, I'm an activator. Why don't you talk a little bit about the difference between activation versus straight up activism? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's like rooted in the same thing, acting, but also um, putting out like education and elevating and amplifying stories, um, which I do mostly through my community page, Mixed Present, but it's basically getting people to like see why something is important to be speaking up about and acting on and doing something about um and whether it's through conversations i have like through series on instagram or anything like that or through educational posts or through being on podcasts and talking about just the history of different things like right now we're really talking about the history of black and asian solidarity but i mean just knowing the history and the facts and the education and i think that stems from constantly being in dialogue with folks who want to shut down what you're saying but if i'm like nah these are actual factual statistics and because i've like gone out of my way to really like study it and know it it's just really empowered me to be like really confident and not like shut down in the face of like people so many people telling you you can't speak on this Mm. or you don't you aren't a part of this community so why does it matter or whatever it is like people who just feel the need to have that kind of dialogue with you and so now i'm just trying to give that kind of energy to other folks because i think a lot of people struggle with feeling like either important enough or a part of the community enough or like they have the right to even say anything and speak for people or feel like that's not really what they're doing but like kind of have that sense so that's kind of what my role is but i also am in the i am in these damn streets and then in the time the short amount of time that i've known lee as well um so whether or not this is accurate you you tell me i've described you as the 
LA chapter Blazing March or main organizer. Just titles are weird. Eh? <laughs> and it's like, I concur with that though. I mean, right? I feel like we've and done so much work, and where I feel like I haven't been able to step up at a distance or whatever, I'm just like, you've done so much to make it possible for us to even be sitting here right now. Well, it's shared so passion, I do think right? that's fair. Shared passion <laughs> makes it a lot easier to do things when you find community and you share passion with each other and you can talk with each other to be like, hey, this is going wrong. I don't feel like I don't know what's going on with this like the other day. So you're really there for me in terms of like dealing with some strange things. I don't really, I'll mention maybe in the comments sometime <laughs> later. Uh, After the action, <laughs> when I it's really, over. I know, right? Um, I really appreciate though, Charmaine, you pointing that out um, because it, it is a lot of work and there's a lot of invisible labor because you know, as, as if you see my Instagram, you'll quickly realize I'm not a social media influencer. <laughs> so like my terms of activism are very much like in the more invisible labor. Yeah sector which is like completely fine you know like and necessary it is necessary and it's all about holding respect for that kind of work and giving like you know credit where it's due which is something that I also try to do as well but going back to your question though of like what kind of organizing do we do how do we like see ourselves as contributing I see myself as contributing in a way where Actually, we were just, Rohan and I were just talking about this. It's just like, it's, it becomes a skill to see when something becomes like a very easy connect. Uh -huh. When it's a very easy, like, oh, I have this in common with this person. This is something that can connect us, not divide us. And mm. it's, it becomes so much easier when you become focused on identifying what divides people, and that is the issue, right? Because it's fluid. The systems, the neoliberal systems around us constantly change because we're changing. We just have to change faster, which is something that mixed people do every second. Gonna say yeah. that. Yeah. That's a skill that Thank we have. Thank you for letting me finish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, and, and, and honestly though, I would have not like come to this frame of thought today because opinions change every day, no? But how I see it today is because the influence and community from everybody at this table, from everybody in this audience, Soleil, Kevin, Courtney, JP. <laughs> 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 also, by the way, JP's shirt is beautiful. It's unfuck the world. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> talking about trying to identify divisive things. No? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, passing the mic though. Mm. Rohan. Oh. <laughs> we all looked around. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I I love that you said that when it's like what divides and what can be can like I guess organize around to undo that division. And you know, that's something that I have definitely seen on the ground and why it does not work. And like like anything that to me is like divisive it feels almost like that strange binary of if like for me my, my personal experience like if i showed up to a rally around south asian hate all of a sudden i'd be seen as a traitor to black lives matter and yeah. i'm just like <laughs> the double standards the yeah. triple standards right. multiplicity of standards <laughs> and the lack of understanding of what people like us we're mm -hmm. all mixed asians mm -hmm. on this panel two of us are blasians two of us are white and uh, Asian mixes, we have our toes on both sides. We're, right. we're literally 
flowing between them and at all times both. So right. having that opportunity. Right. It's like a lack of understanding, as you said, but also I feel like it's a lack of just like imagination. Yeah. Like, That's a good point. like this colonial yeah. like, state with like the white miseducation, the colonial education has taught us so many ways of knowing that we can't, we can't imagine ourselves beyond those spaces. Like, we are so taught that Black and Asian communities like cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. Use it, and that narrative always drives the LA uprising. So once again, read Celia's article. Yeah. Um, because, you know, her wonderful article also talks on moments of solidarity during the LA riots. And, you know, it's, it's like so many organizers are so rooted in what they believe to be reality. Mm. When it's like, it's great to organize around reality, but what about organizing around possibility? Yes! yes. yes. What if it's like, <laughs> I am making this rally because for me, I believe it is possible for us to coexist. Vision. It's a mm-hmm. vision. <laughs> like, At the end of the day, we're literally fighting the same enemy. Literally. Exactly. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> like all these things are rooted in one very specific enemy, mm, white right. supremacy. And when you take the path of compassion and community, it becomes faster and faster to see where white supremacy and divisive tactics of social control show up. 100%. And then when you mix that with actual like statistics and facts and history of like yes. discriminatory legislation mm-hmm. and just unjust situations that have happened with the justice system and stuff like that, then you really wait. The cops are interrupting us. <laughs> <laughs> I just, anyway. And I feel it's it's even more exacerbated when it's when we replicate those structures and hierarchies in our own communities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember going to one uh, solidarity rally between like folks of color, and you know they were basically like, oh. We're bringing on like Asian organizers. What are your protest chants? So someone approached me and was like, can we use Blasian March chants? I was like, absolutely, why not? (laughs) And then the feedback that we got was, oh, these protest chants, such as saying like Asian power, um, that's appropriation of black culture. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, historically, the word power is used in almost everybody's Hello. This is why, again, like this colonial education, we don't know our own history. Like we always think that this term is specific. I'm like, but the phrase is all power to the people. It's also a neoliberal. All power to all people. Oh, that part. It's (laughs) it's rooted in the white supremacist like structure of in order for this group to benefit, everyone else must somehow lose something. A zero-sum game situation. And that's why people have such a hard time with, is the word digest, digesting, I don't know, like what's going on with the LBGTQIA community and like learning pronouns are like the end of the world for some people and just like, it doesn't make any sense. Like it, it absolutely, like we can all exist and understand each other and truthfully throughout history, the way that we, that we have gotten anything is through groups coming together in solidarity. That's yes. what it is. That reminds me earlier when you were talking about having the imagination, Rohan. It brings to mind the phrase, having the imagination to see what's actually there without perceiving. 
That's a really good point. Yeah. How artistic. Straight. I love words. <laughs> I also hate grammar, though. Grammar so... is like, a construct of white supremacy. No, it is. It's all about grammar. Grammar is It's spelling for some people, too. Like, oh, if you figure out what I said through how I spelled it. Yeah. What happened to creative language? What happened to artistry on the day-to-day? -day? Why can't I have a relationship to this? Anyway, I'm just, you know, putting out, like, general questions <laughs> in the universe. You Put know it in I mean? the ether. Yeah. No. Oh, because you arched like you had some. Rohan's a dancer. Yeah. They just arch. They just arch. <laughs> sure. um, I did want to get into, uh, well, I guess for those of you who aren't watching the live stream but are hearing this later, um, to give a visual description of what we have because I started with yes. Um <laughs> That, like I said, there are two uh, people who are representing the Blasians, and there's two people on the panel that are white and Asian mixed. Um, I am a very light-skinned black Asian. Um, I don't look like Naomi Osaka, as many people will come up to me on the street and tell me as a black Japanese. Uh, so I'm light-skinned. <laughs> I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, have like, I have like a ye yellow-brown light skin. I have blue-purple. Well, right now my hair is blue purple and magenta kind of mix, but it's very straight, very very Japanese uh, hair. I'm wearing a Be Your Mix Self t-shirt and a, a black um, militantly mixed hoodie. Uh, that's my re that's my visual representation. I'm going to work down the, the thing. Oh, we forgot. Crap. Okay. I, uh, I know. I, right. forgot. I know. We, we always do this, We always way. do this. But it's fine. Right. As, as long as, as we, we do it, it now. So we're going to get it in. So I am a brown skinned with a slightly golden tint. Black Asian <laughs> with, as I've discovered uh, this year, curly black hair. I have never grown out my hair, so <laughs> I know. Were I'm, you not allowed to or something? Well, like, there was some, like, trauma around, like, my hair and, like, ballet world. And, yeah. like, someone mm -hmm. said that my also hair colonized. wasn't right for ballet, so. <gasps> right. Shame on them. Oh, honey is nowhere in life. Look, where <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> um, I'm wearing I a... I guess burgundy button down, courtesy of my ex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love this. Courtesy of your ex, thank you. And I have a clear quartz crystal on. Um, I am a fair-skinned mixed Asian. I have like curly brown hair, and I'm wearing a black militantly mixed T-shirt that says "Mixed and Hella Asian." You can purchase it. <laughs> you can purchase it on militantmixed.com. Shout out. <laughs> and I'm wearing a silver necklace. That's my Japanese name. It says Michiko. Um, let me just say, my Korean name is Yongi. Yes! yes. 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 I looked up because it is a gender neutral name. Yes. Uh, so, uh, visual description. I am kind of, I've always kind of seen myself as being more, a little bit more olive skinned. Uh, my hairstyle is a cut that usually a lot of Korean men wear. Um, the shirt that I'm wearing, or I'm wearing a pink mask. The shirt that I'm wearing, it's like a, a modernized play on traditional, a traditional uh, Korean male shirt. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my boots. They're very cute. They are super they are cute. The whole yeah. fit is the whole ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just quickly describe my boots, though. They are Please awesome. do. They are a mix, <laughs> just like everybody at this table. I'm it is dead. a square toe, honey. <laughs> a square toe. Square with toe. 
A cowboy heel. <laughs> <laughs> and they're black. And they're black. Yes, thank you. And uh, I think vegan leather. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. And we are also sitting in front of the steps of, again, I mentioned earlier, the, the East West Players Theater, which Woo! is here in downtown Los Angeles, uh, right near uh, or right in Little Tokyo. It is a Beautiful stone building with columns. Oh, you described the columns the other day. What are they called? Oh, they are Doric columns. Say that again? Doric columns. Doric columns. Yeah, they're more feminine in form than simplified, but considered elegant when you look at the top of the column where there are scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> I think having Lee here has really rounded us out. It's, I'm not it's, really it's, 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 it's making something we're missing. Um, Thank you so much. I'm That's so such a great compliment. All of y'all are amazing. Also, Lee, I'm just really... I'm really fucking proud of you. Oh my so God. proud. So like, proud. Y'all don't know, Lee literally orchestrated and this all of this from, what, December? Oh, no. It when started, start? like, last October. Is right, when that's right. The wow. funding together. Right, okay, so context for folks. So last year, for the one-year anniversary of the Blasian March, we decided to do a Black, Asian, trans power rally to center Black, Asian, and Blasian trans folks. Um, and we were like, well, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if this could happen like in other cities because everyone's like, oh my god, just like think about the Blasian March, it's so cool. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> I thought it was like this tiny little one time rally, and now it's about now to, we got it's becoming something beautiful that a lot of people are really excited about because everybody so sees good. the vision clearly and the oh, future clearly. Mm-hmm. I have some, beautiful. um, Blasian and or black Asian couples that uh, are in Houston when they heard what I was doing in LA they were like wait is that everywhere and I'm like it can be it can oh. be. we may have a Houston chapter as long as I have someone like Lee with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I'll just like come out to live in Houston for a little there bit and get it started <laughs> by the way though I wanted to share I forgot to share what my mix is okay. oh yeah go ahead did you share yours you want to go first? None of us Oh, do. I don't think any no. of us have. You oh. never know. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Lee. We'll work well, it I'm very proud. I'm very proud to be Korean. Yeah. Woo! Less proud of being half white. But I mean, you know, it's like one side is nicer. <laughs> um. Well, that's funny that you talk about that because I am half Japanese, which um kind of the imperialists of the East Asians. Um, we're very sorry, Korea. Very sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, you know. I love you. Japanese you don't have to say sorry. I'm just, <laughs> sorry. Like, like somebody does, you know. You know, um, and I'm also German, Wait, Scottish, and Welsh. Well, <laughs> what? Just, okay, I was just making a reparations joke. Oh, You're we love it. Welsh, though. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Yes, um, but I am proud to be all those things. Um, but also very. Um, uh, I think I just root myself in facts and history of all things, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to acknowledge that stuff. I'm also a middle child, who is very, very much um, into justice and um, <laughs> how come they get a rule and I don't get this rule and how come you made this rule because of me but they were allowed to do this. I was very much like that and got in trouble a lot in school for doing that. Which is why she is in justice for today. And I'm a Libra so there's that. <laughs> I love the Libra energy though. You know? Yeah. Um, is that the one with the scales? 
Yes. <laughs> but it's also all about love too. Yes. Also. <laughs> yes. Very, very much about love, like you said. Venus is our ruling planet. I'm sure my my uh, partner would agree. <laughs> well, first off, side note: the fact that we always bring up zodiacs at some point in time in our conversation. Yeah, we are in California. They're <laughs> just like, what is this? <laughs> Uh, okay, my next. Um, it is very interesting. So, it's all the things. Thanks to the Caribbean and a lot of like immigration to the states, I am uh, black of unknown African origins, but that goes by way of Trinidad Tobago and Jamaica. Um, yes. And then um, I am Chinese, Filipino, and Indian with Chinese on both sides of the family. Um, both sides also have Irish. My mother has Scottish and my father has Cuban. Wow. All the things. <sighs> Colonization. I know, right? <laughs> also, Wait. your immediate family is all mixed. Yeah. That's a mixed-ass family. I am, as I am, we, I am yeah. the... I am the Third generation of Blasian in my family. That's wow. beautiful. Yeah. All right, we call that remix. And I am also a multi generational mix. I am a black and white British on my dad's side, and a Japanese, Scottish, Brit- and Welsh and English on my mom's side. So the whole island. The, the Great Britain. That's, that's mine. I, the whole that's mine. other island. The whole other island. Uh, that island. And then um, Japan. So I am heavily colonizer. Heavily <laughs> uh, imperialist. <laughs> somehow, ethnically. And my African origin is Gabon. Uh, the wow. Kota, the uh, Tike, and the Sogo people of Gabon. And um, I maneuver, though, as a black Japanese mix. I did not grow up around white people, so I only know one white brother, which is my brother. Yeah, it's real as fuck though. Like the sorry, it's 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 super real. It's fine. Okay, it's real as fuck though. It's like you when you are born into a family that practices certain cultures, whether consciously or subconsciously, you do that culture is carried with you. Yeah, you know, and it takes deconstructing and nurturing. There's certain things that I've discovered and like going back to England um, and things like that that I or being around my white British family or yeah. relatives that I realize I do and I'm like, oh, that's a nature. Didn't know. Didn't know that was in there because I identify myself so strongly with black and Japanese being the two cultures that I grew up around, the two uh, groups of people that I grew up around. Um, to find out that you got a little bit of that in, that it like surfaced right. in some kind of way is, is a little bit strong, which is why I completely understand Soak's inclination to apologize because over many years of interacting in Asian American spaces as a mixed Japanese, I always thought that the reason why I wasn't accepted in my personal experience I, I hadn't been very accepted in those spaces was because I was mixed I didn't think and know really at the time I didn't have enough history to understand what Japan did mm-hmm. across all these places and so now once I started to get that information I maneuvered Asian American spaces differently and now I find myself in more Asian American spaces because mm-hmm. I now understand my history and I understand how to maneuver Context. and in the same way that we talk mm-hmm. about the importance of solidarity movements is to show us when to speak and when to support. So not mm. when to shut up. I think this is very important. It's something that is really important to me in activism. It's not when to be silent. It's when to step back and support so that the other voices can be lifted. And that is that I think is what is missing when we talk about why solidarity movements don't always work 
yes. is because people think they're they're silencing themselves for others, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a thing. Um, I think it's part of the invisible work that you thought about too. It's also tied to what Sok is talking about in terms of like neoliberal constructions of zero sum game that there are limited supplies, that there's right. limited space. When in reality, there's space for everybody. Right. I yeah. mean, and mixed race is a very context oriented thing, though, yeah. like what you're describing too, though. Yeah. And I think that's what makes mixed race logic and like the way that we think mm -hmm. so incredible because like we're not rely we're not relying on like perceptions of what we imagine reality to be. Instead, we're looking at the situation and finding the facts as like Soph does, right? right? But also like imagining like the futures of like what what is this? What's going on? Trying to understand the reality of like now. Or what, what, how, what was it earlier, like having the imagination to yeah. see things without perception? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that, without perceiving things. Yeah. Um, you're reminding me a lot of um, Toni Morrison's point about singular narrative. Yes. You know, like, the, I, and I feel like on the ground to me that looks like, you know, there's only one way to tell a certain story. Like even like Maren Kaba, speaks on the like the perfect victim narrative. Like there's only one way that a certain story can be understood or or acknowledged as being of value. Like even like in the Black Lives Matter movement, like even though it was founded by three women, two of whom are queer, the singular narrative that has been kind of built out of it is policing towards black, straight, able-bodied men. Right. Which excludes so many other people. But I think what you're, what I love, what I resonate with, Lee, is that because we're mixed, there's no singular narrative for us. Right. Exactly. We recognize that it's context-oriented. We right. read the context, and we navigate based on the facts that we find mm -hmm. in the context. Right. And facts. How do you find facts, right? Like, so if you want to take that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You find facts in so many ways. Like, yeah, you can use these internets, but there's so many books. And then, like, so, like now we have, like, podcasts and all these different things that you can um yeah like lots of resources thank you for the word could oh, not sorry, remember sorry. it I, I was just to myself. <laughs> no you're I'm good though no, I could I was like what's the word um but also it's like being in community with other people who are not like you which is so common for mixed folks and then also right. pulling from different things so uh, my biggest source of inspiration actually that really got me off the ground uh, my favorite rapper is this rapper immortal tech immortal technique a New York based rapper who's like underground but like so popular like <laughs> underground but like not you know mm -hmm. and I was listening to him rap and he was just talk he talked about like history and colonization and all these like crazy things mm. and I started you would love him I would um but he's also he's also mixed too oh my god right, and then hey. anyway someone so, sent me an email but his, I know, right? like, <laughs> yeah. wait why not just like give a shout out right now so he's like he's like a well-known artist. He's dope. Yeah. I'll tag him. If you if you get him on your show, I will literally die. Um, but anyway, um, I was like hearing all these things that he was talking about, and I was like, I gotta learn what all this is because this sounds crazy to me. And um, again, the cops. Do they just know? They know something's a brewing. They must know. It's like right there. It looks like they're at the, the police station. Well, right we're, we're yeah, we're just around the corner. Um, we're just gonna brief pause. Let's just breathe through it. Breathe through it. It's really landing on the roof right so now. That, this sound is so triggering for me as a, yeah. as a Long Beach kid. Like, 
Yeah. And even be saying they're looking for somebody. Like, that is the automatic response to ghetto birds. Um, yeah, I was going to say. The first time I used the term ghetto birds, like, I remember uh, I had a boss that was, like, white. And she goes, excuse my ignorance, but what's a ghetto bird? <laughs> and I, I just thought that was kind of funny. It sucks. <laughs> And I was like, um, do you know the cop copters? And she was like, what? And I was like, the, the police the helicopters. Cop copters. <laughs> cop copters. My, my, anyway, so going back to some researching, um, but yeah, no, I like started hearing about all this stuff in his lyrics and I was already like a huge hip hop head. Um, side note, I'm seeing the Wu-Tang Clan on my birthday and I'm so excited. <laughs> and, um. Yeah, and so from there, I just started really researching, and then, like, when you start talking to people about, you know, racism and systemic oppression, and you're able to throw in these, well, no, uh, this discriminatory legislation passed this year, blah, 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 the people very, very quickly shrink down and leave you alone. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, so I'm wrong, and I'm like, yeah, you are. And that is my middle child looking for you to say you're wrong, and Nobody maybe that's in my throat. Nobody can gaslight stuff. That's your power, though. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. That's yeah. Because, really like, I hear you describing this, and I'm like, damn, I wish I had this kind of, like, immediate fortitude to drop facts, you know what I mean, and stand behind it without mm. faltering. Because that's seen, how you get people to fuck off. I've seen people <laughs> do this even while crying before. Wow. So even while oh. being upset and about an event that had had, like, a triggering event, we, I remember what it was, but I've seen you even shut it down, like, in that moment, too, to be able to just, like, okay, so two days tears. In 1940, no. Side note, there was, like, during, um, right around, like, the Atlanta spa shooting, I did, like, That's four panels one. and cried on all of them, yep. and I was like, oh, like, relax, like, but I was like, no, nah. like, this is fine. This it was is too fine. much, yeah, and it especially was... at that time, we were sandwiched between, like, multiple, multiple. It was event, 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 yeah. event, event, yeah. And even this weekend, this past weekend, I, I struggled to just get an episode out because it was, you know, ten black people murdered in Buffalo, and then uh, a shooting in a church where an Asian doctor tried to did sacrifice himself for mm -hmm. you know to try to protect those people that were in the room and it's just like you're sitting there going i can't go i can't keep doing this as a girl black one day asian one day i can't keep i can't keep going back and, and it's the media doing this too though and if you think about like soleil's piece for instance you know they're in soleil's piece a woman who's interviewed rose m kim was on the la times like team that was covering the la riots and they received a pulitzer prize and in, in the article, Rose reflects on, like, the the weird shame and, like, pressure and, like, how it got distorted and how it felt out of hand. And those are the larger systems that yes. are really dropping these stories. Because, you know, the reality is black death, Asian death, violence against, just violence against marginalized identities, especially trans identities, has, it's always been there. It's yeah. always been there. You know? Exactly. It's not anything new. It's just new in media, new in the mainstream. Yeah, which I think makes the Black Asian Trans Power Rally, Black Asian Trans Solidarity Power Rally, really powerful because it's utilizing again like the spotlight, the mainstream spotlight that Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. And now I'm just like repeating though, like material Rohan that you prepared. <laughs> so I'm just like being honest about right now. I'm just kind of like performing like the core movement. <laughs> so it's just like yeah, that redistribution though of like attention that redistribution of justice is really powerful <laughs>
Yeah, and I think, oh my god, the, again. Again. It's every time I talk. No. So wait, wait. <laughs> if the no, cops, they're if, right there. If, if the helicopters are ghetto bird, are those like ghetto dogs? Like what? Is there like a? For some reason, we only have a name for the copters. That's because they—that's how they would find it. Yeah, exactly. Especially in the '80s, like, well, it is a fixture of. I don't know if it's everywhere, but it's very much in L.A., Long Beach, Compton, like where I grew up. This was—you would be walking down the street, the the lights would be shining yeah. down because they were looking for someone, and yeah. that's why we collectively Yikes. say that. And then you just make sure you're in the house. Honestly, like my, the last place I lived before I lived downtown, um, there was always one out. And I remember once my little sister was out walking, she was like, "Yo, the spotlight stopped on me," and I just looked up and I was so afraid. And like, oh, Asian, oh it's fine. Yeah, and then she was like, and then it just left, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like, what the hell? Oh, this is no, some like dark sci-fi. What is this? I know Rohan's I Rohan's next piece. Oh, <laughs> I don't know, but it was very much a part of like the experience that I. I also do want to add, I know uh, what you had talked about, about reimagining, and I mean, everyone kind of talked about reimagining, right? Yeah, we're all sharing it. Yeah, and um, uh, I think why that's so, like, such a skill set for mixed folks is because we constantly grow up Every day. fusion, Every innovation, day. combining different cultures, like, mm -hmm. all the time. And I think this is something also people who are children of immigrants go through as yes. well, too. Yes. That's, a, that's something we probably share. Um, and as a child of an immigrant, I would say, yeah, that's probably true. Um, that's a whole other dimension, socioeconomically it is, yeah. as well, yeah. too, though. And you yes. feel the individuality of American capitalism. Oh, and, and, and so a lot of true. our cases, is mixed Asians were encouraged to adapt to yeah, it's oh, okay. yes. the American. Yeah. You know, one of my um, one phrase that has really gotten me through 2022 and like finding more uh, confidence in being mixed is, and I've said this, I've shared this phrase with all y'all, is uh, assimilated monoracial. Mm, right? yeah. Was that us? No, somebody else. Was mean? that one of our conversations? Oh, I've talked about this at every Okay, great. And, and anybody, who's mixed, anybody who's mixed, I bring it up. I know you brought yeah. assimilation very often. And is yeah. it like it's assimilating to the the race that you would be most likely to be perceived as? Whatever is easier, right? Yeah. Yeah. And every day, because we're all proud of being mixed. Every mm, fucking that. day, we push against that. We push mm -hmm. against assimilation, which Absolutely. is really hard because society wants to socially organize us. Well, I feel like in a case like someone who's whose presentation is really ambiguous, like my mine, yeah. I can't assimilate well. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if that's the case, I assimilate to a culture that is not mine. I assimilate yes. to a culture I look like, which is Dominican. Which I knew you were going to say Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also where you're living, too, though, right? And that's why, like, context is so much, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, when I'm in Florida, I think I've mentioned this, like, some people think I'm like Puerto Rican and some mm -hmm. people indigenous think I'm indigenous, which mm -hmm. is like weird, right? Yeah. Whereas like if I'm in upstate New York, that's like super white and Italian, like everyone is like, oh, that's the Asian person. That's not even Korean, but like, just yeah. like Yeah, and this is so, something that we all have dealt with. Yeah, just yeah. walking down the street, like when we talk about like uh, not being able to see anything outside of the black and white in any movement or any thing that we do, we literally will walk down the street and five people will identify us differently and yeah. might identify us differently to our face. Yeah. So if we have to experience constantly being seen as different races or different ethnicities than we are, I mean, we have to develop our own understanding. We have to develop our own um, identity, our own personality, our own perspective, because if we took theirs in, We'd be exhausted by how much they would make us shift, right? Yeah. Right. So we have to choose to stop shifting. 
and be what it is we are, hence be your mixed ass self, whatever yes. that is, um, as in your mixed individual person. Um, like there's times when I feel hella black and there's times when I feel hella Japanese. Um, and really only when I'm drinking tea and looking down on peasants that use tea bags, do I think of myself. <laughs> um, but, I'm dead. Oh, that's the that's so funny. So peasants uh, that use tea bags. But you know, other than that, you know, I'm my whole picture at all times, like yeah. what, what that yeah. means to me. And so I think that it makes it a lot easier. Maybe I, I'm only talking from my own experience makes it a lot easier to move within solidarity movements or even to move within um, any kind of activism because I can put myself from minute to minute in a bunch of different shoes that I come from. Yes. But it gives me a way, it gives me more empathy, it gives me more access to be able to absorb what other people's experiences are so that I can put that in with what I do. And it happens to me through the show all the time because there's tons of people that are mixed differently than I am that have been on the show that have taught me something that are now a part of my narrative when I share anything about mixedness now. They, they've, they've influenced what what I'm able to do now. And I think that's why it's important to have people like us, a bunch of different people from a different, bunch of different mixes. And even though some of us share some things, the way we access, Sophie and I are both Japanese. She has a Japanese father, I have a Japanese grandmother. These are the two people who influenced our Japanese-ness. Our Japanese-ness is different from each other. Very, that's very um, So we're not, you know, again, we're not monoliths across the board, but as mixed people. Concernment, though, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I guess my thoughts of assimilation have always been like kind of a struggle for me because I feel like like I was raised by two parents who were black and Asian. At the time when I was being raised, we only were aware of like my, our Chinese heritage. So, you know, we went to the Lunar New Year celebrations, got the red, red envelopes, saw the lion dances. Um, there's some baby photo of me somewhere in one of those like <laughs> traditional Chinese like jackets, I forget what they're called. But it's always, then uh, I guess the bigger challenge is when, again, you assimilate and walk into a monoracial space and, you know, because your existence defies this collective singular narrative monolith. Like, I, I, I find it really fascinating when, you know, especially like in, in Asian political spheres or, or dialogue, we're always like, we're not a monolith, and then they meet me, and then they're like, <laughs> We're not that. We're not that. Ah! Whatever you I'm are. I'm like, and that is a monolith. It is a <laughs> monoracial <laughs> monolith. Definitely. That's such a good way to put it. Um, I would say assimilation for me is so is also quite interesting um, because while I feel like I consciously, I think having, I wonder if you feel this way too. Um, I having a white mother who has blonde hair, blue eyes. She's also six feet tall. Shout out to the big women. Um, <laughs> Uh, my dad, side note, we were watching like a soccer game and, um, and it was like the German national team of women. And he just goes, oh, Michiko Chan, I love big white women. <laughs> oh, you guys are so funny. I will say Mr. Kano, everyone loves Mr. Kano. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Okay, so um, but I consciously saw. Distracted by. <laughs> I consciously saw my mother get treated 
very, very differently from my father. And before I had words for what that was, for what microaggressions were, for what gaslighting was, and all these things. And the fact that my father had all these, like, stories that I thought were scary about being yelled at by strangers at the bus stop and, like, going through, like, really racist shit with my mother's family and, like, all these things. I was like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. And then going back to the hip hop thing, like as soon as I was hearing these like lyrics and how people were like talking about how they're treated, I was like, oh my God, like this is like more like down, like what I'm feeling inside that I don't have words for. Um, but because I saw that, I think I was like actively pushing against that. But my parents were also very much like, no, you are the, all of these things. And like never like questioned anything about that or never said like one thing is better than another or anything like that. We celebrated literally so many holidays <laughs> so like there are pictures of me in my scottish tartan which is the lindsay tartan which is also my older sister's name and then um in kimono and yukata and um german lederhosen oh my god for what what child needs need to be to wearing lederhosen it's always <laughs> cute on kids though to kindergarten though uh, to yeah, kindergarten i think it's the yeah, most appropriate point. time for journey and at one point I only identified myself as Japanese because people kept saying like what are you and I just am started that's a assimilated monoracial exactly but at a certain point you're tired of feeling like that bag on American Beauty 100% and then but also (laughs) I felt like people would be like okay but like and and I would be like okay well my mother is also this you know what I mean and so I think going through that I just like did that because it was easier but I never feel like I changed who I was if anything because I grew up around more of like black and brown folks I feel like I went through a point where I was like am I being am I appropriating people or am I like you know what I mean so I also went through that but you're really in group though looking at it like sociologically you're so affirming I am here for it thank you I love being affirming I just you know it's like good vibes right yeah true Um, I'd like to respond to kind of like my family's dynamics. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't want to like cry and trauma dump. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My mother is Korean and my father is white and in the US military served 20 years. Uh, In terms of how people treated my mother different, I have always gotten really angry at how people treat my mother because she has broken uh, English, you know? Mm. And also, you know, she deals with like the the intersection of being a woman and Asian, which, as we all know, has its own whole as connotation of servitude, right? Mm -hmm. Of exotification, of not being fancy enough to be a real woman, Mm. but being enough to be an object, right? And I can't tell you how many times so many dumb white women in particular would see my mom as like a fucking nanny or something. Mm. Or, <laughs> you know, one time, I'm gonna share something very vulnerable that I have not shared in my therapy session, and this will be the end of my trauma dumping. But this actually is not trauma dumping. Um, you know, like, when people see me and my mom walking with each other down the street, they don't perceive us as like mother and daughter, and mm. that's fucking painful. You know, I was going to go into it, but I'm actually not going to go into that story. Um, (laughs) But um, 
Yeah, and it's just kind of weird. You know, there's this really amazing sociologist, a black feminist sociologist, uh, Patricia Hill Collins, who does this like analysis of like larger nation uh, biases and how it, it's like on a national level, bias can be present and that influences communal bias and that influences bias that's within families, mm. right? And it's very real. I'll just say that, you know, I, I feel like I don't need to say anything more than that. Yeah, yeah no, like, like the, this, yes, thank you for sharing. Thank you for opening that up, though. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> The, the specific strain of anti-Asian hate I personally get um, within the Black community, like when you said that, I feel like of national bias, I was like, yes, I feel this so much. I know, Charmaine and I have been talking a lot about this, but how like, you know, for me, I've actually found very little acceptance in the Black community because of my Asianness, And I don't know if it's because the way I appear and by assimilating, invisibilizing my Asianness, by silencing my Asianness, by hiding that part of me. Um, you know, to me, it's like that is conforming to singular narrative. Mm -hmm. And that is the danger of assimilation. Like when you assimilate to a certain monoracial mono structure, you are literally losing part of yourself. You are yes, literally erasing yeah. part of yourself. And it's to me, like, it's like, how can I willfully... Oh. <laughs> we only have five minutes left, oh and they're going to take it all up with this damn copter. We should invoice them for this time. We'll just be like, reclaiming like, our time. Reclaiming yeah. our time. <laughs> But, Continue. Yeah, no, there's there's a deep internalized violence when you assimilate, and there's also I think a deep shame that comes with Absolutely. it. Because to me, it's like when I am violently, verbally forced to assimilate to blackness, it's almost instituting a shame of being Asian. Yeah, and I'm like, no, my ancestors are a part of me, and they have <laughs> they survived some deep shit, like. Yeah. Like my great grandfather, he was a paper son during the Exclusion Act. Uh -huh. So, like, to survive that time period when there were so many lynchings of Asians, massacres right. of Asians, like, I can't be ashamed of that. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I should be proud that my people have survived this way. I mean, we wish we that they didn't have to. <laughs> that that part, very true. That part. <laughs> we wish that our ancestors did not have to endure what they had to endure, but. Um, that that they did long enough for you to be here and be you know part of the story the part of the narrative of your bloodline you know mm -hmm. is is very important i think um we are coming to the end of this uh i, I just want to thank everybody again for participating with me and always sharing space however many times we do it we always do it um with love and community and i love you guys so much thank you so much Yay! Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, East West Players. Thank you, East West Players. Courtney, so much for setting us up. I was over like, here. oh my God, this is so amazing. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. And just one more time before we wrap all the way up tomorrow, Saturday, May, wait, May 21st. <laughs> yes. Sorry, 4 p.m. We will be at Pershing Square's uh, the Trans Power Rally. Uh, we're going to start it off there starting at 4 p.m. So if you are in the Los Angeles area and you are witnessing us, please come through and support 
the cousins. Come join Woo! our community. Yes. <laughs> Everyone is welcome. Truly a solidarity act. So one more time before we wrap up and then we'll get into the questions and this will cut off whenever it comes up. Let's just go down backwards down the line who everybody is and Great. then we'll wrap up. Uh, I'm Lee Painter Kim. My pronouns are they, them, them. I am a biracial Korean and American uh, non-binary person. Do you want to do your socials too, or no? Oh, my socials. Uh, my social is really difficult to say, and I will say it is. Here we go. My social for Instagram is at gq 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 and gq. It's very aggressive. It's how many? How many of them? Eleven. Eleven. Kind of an unlucky number, no? That's the luckiest. Thank you. I am Asian. So Asian underscore so is one of my pages mixed present uh spelled like mixed and present and uh made mixed underscore made and then if you want just some fun stuff i have a food blog soaps food diary yeah all the links are in my bios yes i take lots of big bites and slurp a lot of things and it's great (laughs) thank you thank you (laughs) um yes and i'm mixed japanese german scottish and welsh and yeah what is that it yeah uh, uh, you can find me on Diary of a Firebird on all platforms. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. My Facebook is private. Do not look for me. You will not find me. You will not find me. Website is also Diary of a Firebird. And of course, Blasian March on all platforms. Woo! And I am Charmaine Asiri, a.k.a. The Blazing Blurred. So if you want my personal semi-personal page, you can go to The Blazing Blurred. I finally locked down my personal personal page because I don't know who all these people are liking my stuff. Um, <laughs> you don't get my cats unless I know you in person. Um, I'm dead. <laughs> and, of course, you can follow me on Militantly Mix on Twitter, The Tickety Talk, Facebook. There's a group. A private group and uh what's the other platform instagram yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and then of course you can buy all the t-shirts from militantly mix and mix and hella asian and mix and hella black and mix and hella queer and be your mix yourself on the militantlymix.com website and if you'd like to support our efforts this weekend what we've done here at east west players or what we're doing at the blazer march this weekend you can go to paypal.com slash militantly mix and whatever we earn we will split between east west players and the blazer march militantly mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me charmaine fury music is by david bogan the one you can follow us on social media on twitter instagram and facebook at militantly mixed if you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.